0: Amen, our God specializes in making a way where there seems to be no way. He prepares for us a table before our enemies. He walks us through the valley of the shadow of death and that is why we, his people, men, women and children, recipients of his grace, sing of his praise this morning. You may be seated. Well, I have the privilege of introducing a special guest speaker. For us this morning stephen atkinson he's the director of the christian witness to uh to israel in north america and the organization he leads stateside has been been doing work here since 1842 doing two things boldly proclaiming the good news of god's messiah jesus christ and assisting followers of jesus christ to be a witness to their neighbors And so we're excited for the message that he has for us this morning. So let's welcome him with a special and a warm Spanish River welcome and a hand clap. Let's welcome out Stephen Atkinson. Now I'm going to pray, pray for you, brother. Uh, Before I do, I just want to invite you right after this service Stephen is going to be hosting a Q&A, letting you know about the work that he's doing, the work both here and around the world of how God is using the organization that he leads to bring people to Jesus. But let's go before our God and pray and ask for his blessing upon us this morning. Lord Jesus, we, your people, humble ourselves before your word because you speak life to us as we sit humbly underneath it so i pray for my brother stephen i pray that he will speak boldly to us we give you thanks for his faithfulness and the years of faithfulness and reaching lost people with the hope of jesus christ use him now for your purpose and my prayer that not one person here will leave this place untouched by your spirit and of your word. And we ask this in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Welcome, brother. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you, Spanish River, for welcoming me here. Uh, just a little moment or two about myself. Um, as you can tell from my accent, well, my accent is changing a little bit, but as you can tell from my accent, it's not from here. It actually goes all the way back to Northern Ireland. So I was born in Northern Ireland. I now live in Arkansas, uh, and I tell a lot of people about Israel, okay? So that's basically me in a nutshell. I've been a preacher for 35 years, um, and I've been a regular pastor for half that time, and now for 17 years I've been working with Christian Witness to Israel, Uh, As a regular pastor, I guard my pulpit, and so I would never give my pulpit out to some strange Irishman, but... You guys have just done it, so here I am. So I'm thankful to be with you. Uh, I represent the work Christian Witness to Israel. I have my colleague Mitch Tepper with me here also, who's a Jewish believer. We have a table of literature which tells a lot about our ministry, uh, both here and around the world, and a lot of other helpful resources for you to uh, learn a little bit about Jewish mission and the importance of Jewish mission. Mitch is a Jewish believer. I'm a Gentile. Uh, in that sense, we uh, we are a, a good double act. Um, we, we do the job well. But one of the things that we've sought to do is to develop a little bit of a ministry in South Florida because uh, Mitch's dad lives in Delray Beach. Mitch's dad is a 96-year-old atheist Jew. Please pray for Mr. Tapper. Please pray and for many, many other 90-something Jewish people who are living in South Florida. And so, when I heard that you guys, and particularly through Steve Randall, you have an Understanding Your Jewish Neighbors class, I thought, okay, this church realizes the ministry that we have in this part of South Florida. So, please visit the table that I have. Uh, come see us in room two, I believe, um, after this service, we will have like 30 minutes of a Q and A. Uh, we're open to. We're here to help you be the church in South Florida and reach our Jewish neighbors. And again, you won't know this, but about eight years ago was my first ever visit to Spanish River, and I met with uh, one or two of the pastors just over coffee. Uh, and so this has been a long time coming. I was actually due to come last year, um, and then COVID hit, um, but. So, I have longed to be with you, as the Apostle said, and here we are. So, it is my joy to come and open up God's Word to you. I want to take us uh, this morning to Matthew 28, when Pastor Ron uh, invited me to come and confirm May 16. He simply said to me, preach on the Great Commission, and I thought, okay, I'm going to do that, but because I'm Irish, I'm going to do it differently. (laughs) So I'm going to preach not on the Great Commission, even though it is a great commission from a great God, I'm going to preach on the ordinary, extraordinary commission. So that's my title. Turn with me to Matthew 28, and we'll read the couple of verses that we have before us, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth first point I want to bring before you, I have four points, and uh, I hope they're somewhat memorable, but the first point I want to bring before you is the ordinary audience, the ordinary audience. Who is the initial audience to whom this great commission is given? Well, we read of them in verse 18, but the them of verse 18 is the 11 of verse 16. So He's speaking initially to the disciples, and then by extension He's speaking indeed to all of us. You have been already studying post-resurrection appearances, His encounters with Mary, with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, with Thomas, with Peter, with the 500. What have you learned from this series of encounters? Were these super special guys? that the Lord chose because they just were so wonderful. I think you have at least learned that they were pretty ordinary. Jesus takes the depressed and hopeless situation of Mary and transforms her. Jesus takes those forlorn disciples on the Emmaus Road and opens up the Scriptures that their hearts burn within them. Jesus takes that doubting Thomas and turns him into a declaring Thomas. Jesus takes that failure of a fisherman and makes him able to fish for men. And here we are in Matthew 28, He's taking ordinary, even less than ordinary, disciples, a ragtag group of first-century Jews for Jesus, who are a bit slow on the uptake. This is the audience, the ordinary audience of this great commission. It's really an ordinary commission, ordinary, extraordinary, ordinary Jewish believers who are going to take on the world as you have already studied. The eleven became hundreds by Acts 1, thousands by Acts 2 tens of thousands. Who were they? They were simply ordinary Jewish Jesus freaks who would cross over land and sea and tell the goyim, the unclean Gentile nations, about their Messiah Jesus. And we're sitting here, realize this my friends, we are sitting here the fruit of their great commission, This was not first Presbyterian Jerusalem that Jesus established. This was first remnant Israel, and they met in the synagogue probably for decades. They were a sect within the Jewish community who believed in a resurrected Messiah, this Jesus guy, this maverick rabbi. They were ordinary, maybe even a little weird. You know, I think that's encouraging. It's encouraging to me, at least. You might be ordinary. Maybe even a little weird, (laughs) said the Scots Irishman. Your mission is an ordinary one. It is a little extraordinary, as we'll see in a moment, but it is an ordinary one. Get that at the first instance. You know, sometimes one of the mistakes even perhaps even in the translation of the text as we read it, sometimes we make a mistake with this text and we see, go into all the world. Go is the imperative. No, the the imperative is not go. Sometimes sermons will come forth to say to you, this is what you got to do. You got to go. No. In the Greek, in the original, it's literally, as you go or going, or having gone. There is an ordinariness to the going. The going is expected. It is as you are going. It is as you are doing life, as you are doing the will of the Lord in your ordinary life. Then I've got something for you to do, and we'll come to that in a moment. The going is not the doing. I know you guys will will love to go on mission trips, But I want to let you into a secret. You know, sometimes people say to me, you visit Israel often? And I say, no, I haven't been there in 40 years. We don't need to visit Israel to witness to Israel. That's the point I'm making. They're here. 660,000 Jewish people are living in South Florida. 660,000. 42% of the world's Jewish population lives in the United States. It's as we go, my beloved friends, it's as the evangelical church in America goes in their ordinary life as ordinary people, well, weirdness might help a little. (laughs) And if I can get on my soapbox just for a moment or two, I'm a Gentile, Mitch is Jewish. Gentiles, if we love Jesus, we need to reckon that it was these first century Jewish people as they went that brought the gospel to us Gentiles. If you're a Gentile in this church, then let's make this important announcement. It's time for us to pay it back. It's time for us to bring it back. It's time for us to show the love to our Jewish friends. I took Mitch's dad out to dinner last night. He wanted to pay. I said no. I say this is my thank you on behalf of Gentiles to the Jewish people. This is what we must be doing, and the greatest thank you of all, of course, is not simply taking them out to dinner, but then taking them to the feast, which is Jesus Christ the book is Jewish, the man is Jewish, the first missionaries were Jewish, the message is Jewish, but the blood brothers of Jesus living in Boca Raton don't know him. Does that break your heart? It ought to. Let's pay it back, my my ordinary audience in Spanish River. So, this is the ordinary audience. The second point we have is the extraordinary authority, because Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You know, as you go and as you do the ordinary, you might think, well, I I can't do that. I don't have the skills. I don't have the abilities. We might doubt whether we will be able to, to convince people or even begin a conversation. I want you to know that behind your ordinary going is the authority of the resurrected Christ Himself. When these people encountered Jesus, you've studied it more than I, although I have listened in on your uh, recent weeks, but when these people encountered Jesus, they were never the same. When you encounter Jesus, you are never the same. You might still have a similar character. You might be reserved or shy. You might be a little uncertain as to what to say, but never doubt, and again, that same word that you've looked at, never doubt the authority behind what you say, in your ordinary gospel going." The word that Jesus uses here is exousia, authoritative power. What does that mean? Well, you think of law enforcement. Law enforcement have the power not just to restrain but to uphold and enforce the law. Or you could think of the authority of the judge to rule or to sentence. Jesus has authority. He has authoritative power, even through your stumbling and mumbling and bumbling words. The authority is there to speak to dead sinners and bring life. The authority is there to set the prisoner free, and He does this through you, through your ordinary as-you-go mission. He who spoke worlds into being, he who holds the stars in his hands, gives authority to us to speak a word in season. That is stunning. We are ambassadors of Christ. What a title. I don't know if you realize how dangerous the Lord's prayer is. You pray it through. Do we pray it really, believingly? When this world and the nations of this world are plotting against the Lord and His anointed, we are praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we are praying for the rule of Christ on earth as it is in heaven. And he's just said in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. So as you go in your ordinary Note the extraordinary. The Scottish reformer John Knox prayed, give me Scotland or I die, give me Scotland. Bloody Queen Mary feared the prayers of the Scottish reformer John Knox more than any army. I wonder what our prayers are like and it's not just our prayers but it's the authority that comes behind our prayers and our ordinary words 18 months ago we became citizens my fellow americans thank you it was a pride moment it was a it was a very emotional moment we had uh, taken some 9 years over the process we had been here on a religious worker's visa. Then we got two years later, we got our green card, and then five years later, be good boys and girls on a green card, and then you get the opportunity to become a citizen. And so we took that opportunity, and we became citizens. And uh, I now have a U.S. passport, and I have the certificate signed by President Trump himself that I am a citizen. I could forge his signature. Okay. (laughs) Okay. what I want to say about that is there is authority in my U.S. passport. There is authority in being a U.S. citizen. I can cross borders. I can come and go legally in this country. I don't take that lightly. Some people do. No, I'm not going down that route. (laughs) But we are citizens of heaven. We have extraordinary authority as we go to speak in the name of the Maker of heaven and earth. I don't take that lightly, even though my words might be stumbling. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So, as you go. The ordinary audience, the extraordinary authority. Thirdly, the ordinary activity, the ordinary activity. Mission work, gossiping the gospel, speaking a word in season, is not something that we do on a special occasion. It's our ordinary existence, it is our salting the earth, it is our lighting up the world. We have to tell people, we have to rebuke people even with our lives, and we are to provoke to jealousy with our lives of ultimate realities. You know, there's a lot of false narratives and cancel culture and all kinds of weird, perverted realities that are being peddled. Well, let me give you a new reality. Well, it's really the old reality. Is our reality so unpalatable? The ultimate reality of man one day before his Maker? This must be our ordinary default to tell people about Jesus. What was it that these early Jews for Jesus came and taught the nations? What was the content of their conversation, or what was their ordinary activity? Was it, well, nations of the world, well, you goyim unclean gentiles, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I have plans to prosper you, says the Apostle Paul, and give you an American dream. No. The Apostle Paul pedal, you can have your best life now. It was, repent, Athenians. It was, repent, Scots-Irish, and believe the gospel of a crucified and risen Jewish Messiah killed by Jewish soldiers, but raised and seen and encountered and declared by some Jews for Jesus first century. This is the ordinary activity that they engaged in and it is our ordinary activity also. Disciple nations, baptize in good Presbyterian church order. But I think this has the sense of something greater, because it says baptize nations. In other words, this is an outpouring of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit upon darkened nations. Remember at this time, no nations of the world knew the God of Israel, except that one little nation in the Middle East, but they were starting to spread. And they needed an outpouring of gospel ministry to the nations. Baptize the nations with your saving grace, and teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Teach them godliness. No holiness, no heaven. Scripture says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Do you get that? No holiness, no heaven. No man, no preacher, no speaker, no missionary, no CEO, no man living his dream. Teach them this, the observance of godliness, The old Scottish pastor, Robert Murray McShane, in the 1830s and 40s, he said that his people's greatest need was his own personal holiness. Do you pray for your pastors like that? His people's greatest need was his personal holiness because he knew that a holy preacher was an awful thing in the hands of God. Oh, for a contagion of holiness. Oh, that that virus would spread. And this is your ordinary activity: discipling nations, baptizing, please God, drench by your Holy Spirit nations, and observe and practice and make it a virus, godly character. Jewish South Florida is full of retirees who are coming to the end of their days with ultimate realities in front of them, or simply just Jewish people living life, liberty, and the pursuit of Jewishness. Rabbinic Judaism has no answer. They're searching for the hero within themselves. They're searching for some secret. Jewish Hollywood is trying to create the Superman who will save the world. They're searching for the one thing. You remember that City Slickers movie? What's life all about? Well, it's about one thing. And Billy Crystal then was asked by his friends, well, what is the one thing? And he said, I have no idea. (laughs) But we do. We know the one thing. What shall be our ordinary activity? In Jewish South Florida, as you go with extraordinary authority from a Jewish guy called Jesus, and the testimony of those encounters of Jewish followers of Jesus, what shall be our ordinary activity? call sinners to repent and believe in the gospel of this Jewish guy and his one sacrifice for sin. Take them to Isaiah 53 and show the suffering servant. Take them to Jeremiah 31 and show them that there is a new covenant with the house of Israel. What is that new covenant? Where do we find that? Well, let me take you to the New Testament. Or take them to the Psalms, take them to the Messianic Psalms, take them to Leviticus, those very ultra-Orthodox, and show them the Torah, show them Leviticus. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. Well, what remission have you got, my rabbinic friends? You've got nothing. But I want to tell you about your guy, Jesus. That's the message that we must be bringing to our Jewish neighbors. This is our ordinary activity. Ordinary audience. Extraordinary authority. Ordinary activity. Now there's some more extraordinary as our fourth. The extraordinary assistance. Do you read it there? And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. And, in other words, there's more. Behold means listen up. You know, I'm inclined to think that when they got to that third point, they said, okay, we're ready to go. Because they realized we've got to do this anyway. This is our ordinary activity. And Jesus, wow, you've given us extraordinary authority. The king of the cosmos has given this authority. So, our ordinary activity, well, let's, let's go. And he says, no, hold up. One more thing, I am with you always to the end of the age. Two things I want to say about that. First of all, it contains a promise, and there's a permanence, a promise and the permanence. I was engaged at 19. I was married at 21. And of course, we were so, so much more mature in those days. Dread to think of kids today, yes. (laughs) I made a promise. And it's 39 years this summer, God willing. And I have four kids and I have 11 grandkids. (laughs) And my quiver is full and my Christmas is very expensive. Yes, indeed. I made a promise. Our husband, Jesus has made us a promise. Wow. He's made us a promise that as you are going, with my authority, ordinarily gossiping the gospel, the extraordinary is with you. I am. The divine I am is with you. That's a promise. And then there's permanence. Always unto the end of the age, or even the end of your age, we might say. You Ever feel like you're getting old? Ever feel like you're turning that last corner on the track? My eldest daughter is 36 this Christmas. My eldest son turned 34 just a couple of weeks ago, and we were having a conversation just on these things, and he said, you know, Dad, I, I, I'm in my mid-30s now, <laughs> It's 34. He says, like, when I was 33, I was kind of, I'm really just late 20s. (laughs) But I'm 34. Can't get away with that anymore. And I turned the big 6-0 just last September. It's sobering, isn't it? We're turning corners. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 6, I don't have it on the screen, I'm sorry. But Ecclesiastes 9, 6 really resonates with me and, and, and to some degree even haunts me. Ecclesiastes 9:6 speaking of the dead says this forever they have no more share in what is done under the sun I love doing what I'm doing Mitch loves what he's doing doing what he's doing but there'll come a time when we will no longer have any share in what is done under the sun there'll come a time when you and I can't do mission there'll become a time when you and I can't partner together in mission there'll come a time when we can't share in what's going on in the kingdom world under the sun. The ordinary activity is going to come to an end. But now you can. Now you can engage, and the I am is permanently with you until the end of the age, and indeed the end of your age, until you have no more share. But there is a deadline each of us has. I have a letter on my desk at home It's from the DMV. You love those letters. (laughs) I put it off, I put it off, I put it, but it has a deadline on it, May 31. And I get back home, I got to go to the DMV. We have the authority from heaven to make this ordinary statement to all people. You have a deadline. I command you also to note you have a deadline, a literal deadline. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment." Our ordinary mission is to go and tell people this, and draw them into a glorious life-changing encounter with the risen Lord Jesus, and we have extraordinary authority to do it, and we have extraordinary assistance to do it. What more do we need? Well, maybe we need focus. Maybe we need focus. I have a pastor friend back in Ireland that I used to visit annually, and he's, been, he's American living in Ireland. And when I was moving over here some eight or nine years ago, I I visited with him. I said, okay, brother, I want to know what's the greatest challenge to me coming to the U.S.? You know, are there going to be cultural differences, language differences. There's going to be southern niceness compared to my northern Irish bluntness. I'm Scots-Irish. Think Braveheart, okay? So what's going to be my greatest challenge coming across the pond when he's gone that way and I'm going this way? And before he answered, his wife answered, and she said one word distractions. Distractions. The greatest hindrance to the spread of the gospel in the evangelical world, and even, dare I say it, among our Jewish friends, are distractions. You had a former sermon series that was dealing with doubts, and you had all these encounters. I'm tempted to suggest maybe we need another sermon series dealing with distractions. So that the Great Commission is not deemed some great work that great people do, but rather is the ordinary mission with extraordinary authority and assistance. I have one thought just to leave you. It'll come up on screen, and that is take delight in your ordinary, extraordinary mission and meet your literal deadline without any distractions. God help us so to do. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we do thank You for the gospel of God which came from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even unto the ends of the earth, even to South Florida. We thank You, gracious God, for Your grace in our lives. May it be contagious. So, as we ordinarily go with the extraordinary God we may know your help, that divine assistance that the I Am has promised to be with us permanently until the end. And to you will be all the praise and glory forevermore.